It is a Monday morning mailbag on a Tuesday afternoon. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Walk Off. I'm Scott Belford, joined as always by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack. We did have Sean Lacomber filling in for you on Friday, so some of these mailbag questions pertain to him, and we always appreciate when Sean can join us on the show. Fellow comedian, good buddy of mine, big Jays fan. So nice of him to step in there, but it's always good to have you back, dude. I know uh, some of the comments will probably get into this, but like mm-hmm. we've co-hosted this thing together for three years and it may have taken longer than it should have, but there's a the chemistry here now. So it's always nice to have, uh, you know, you on the show and know we're not going to walk all over each other's sentences and you'll jump in with stats when needed. And uh, there's a little bit of organization to it at this point. So welcome back. (laughs) It's good to be back. We're just getting right to it then. Uh, Yeah, we can get right to it. Of course, you can always reach out to us over Twitter at walk off podcast. There's that chemistry we were bragging about. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, no, I, I, I like the silence. It, it it really it really shows how comfortable we are with each other. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, walk off podcast on Instagram. Obviously, if you are a Patreon member, we give the old tip of the hat your way. A thank you for supporting the channel. And obviously you get that Patreon bump and an automatic uh, question comment into the mailbag. We comb through all the interaction. We've got some YouTube comments this week so we'll get to it we do have a pretty hefty mailbag considering the jays have done very little (laughs) this off season yeah it's uh what a what an off season what a man talk about i mean we'll get into the question but sean and i were talking about this on friday of like honestly the balls on ross atkins right now like the belief in himself is to run this team back after what we watched last year. And I know 89 wins. I know wild card. I'm, I'm well aware of like, even with the regression of some of their major players, they still made the playoffs and won 89 games, but man, to just like, you know, replace Brandon Bell with a very comparable player to like, not even bother replacing Chapman bring in. I mean, I know everyone's going to be like, everyone forgets IKF plays third. Like, no, I don't forget. I'm just not super excited about it. I'm trying to forget. Yes. Like I, I hope Isaiah Kiner Falafa literally makes us all eat our words. I hope that come August, we're all like, we were all idiots this off season. Ross Atkins is King. That is a dream. But, Again, like to have that self-assurity to just be like through all the doubt, be like, yeah, we're bringing back John Schneider. Of course we are. Who else am I going to throw under a bus? <laughs> yes, of course we're going to go with internal options at the hot corner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do you what do you think the chances are this just works, though, that like the team just rallies around it? There's a pep talk at spring training where he goes. Boys, I know what you're capable of. I didn't mm-hmm. need to go bolster this lineup. And they're just like, yeah, I mean, we are great. We are capable of good things. Vladdy's on the cover we, of a video game <laughs> based on a performance from three years ago. I know that you and I kind of fall on the <clears throat> same page when it comes to this. I do truly believe that guys with track records, 
normally after uh, an admiration, you can look at the back of their their card and it'll if they had a really good season, they're probably going to regress to mm-hmm. their uh, career average and vice versa if they have a rough season. And there were numerous Blue Jays who had rough seasons. And so I'm trying to have that same mentality that I do when people do really well as when they do bad, right? That they are going to rebound, that this is something that happens from time to time and that the career norms are going to return. And if that's the case, the Jays do look pretty good. If there isn't regression in the pitching, they had this incredible year of pitching where nobody got injured. And what's even crazier is with Alec Manoa regressing like he did, for them to have still had one of the strongest pitching staffs in baseball, uh, yeah, like it's scary to think that they can repeat that. I mean, there are obvious places where guys can improve Alec Manoa being one of the main ones, Vladdy being one of the main ones, but I don't know. All right. Well, let's start with, it doesn't make uh, you feel warm and fuzzy. That's for sure. (laughs) Okay. Here's a fun question to start it. And then we got a fun question from Deb and Patreon to end it. So we'll bookend it with some fun questions. Here's my fun question for you. How many times in 2024, all season long over under 0.5 0.5 times that we hear Buck Martinez say IKF's full name instead of IKF. <laughs> Do you think he ever attempts saying Isaiah Kiner Falefa? I don't know if he ever does. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, uh, put it. Put it in the comments, folks. Over <laughs> under 0.5. I like that that's the line. Will he say his full Will he name say it? one time in 2024? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he might say it once and then go. Oh, I can never do that again. I'm never trying that. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah. Comments on the Sean Lacombe episode. Sean Lacombe, by the way, if you're new to the channel, longtime friend of the show. Yes. Longtime friend of you and I. Longer friend of yours. Yeah. A staple in the Canadian comedy scene. Truly. If you're ever in a town and you see a Sean Lacombe poster, go to his show. Fucking hilarious, dude. Um, wears a Baltimore Orioles hat from time to time, and I'm going to have to start <laughs> holding that against him. But otherwise, yes. great dude. Um, good episode, <clears throat> as always. He's been on the show, what, half a dozen times now, plus long tosses At all least. the time. So Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, Metal Manix says, bring this guy back. He's my second favorite guest to Joel. Uh, Mish says, I like this Sean fella. Made me laugh several times and only one eye roll. Alex yeah. says, love Sean too. And Johnny says, the whole decorning the unicorn bit was hilarious. Yes, turn <laughs> Shohei back into a horse. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, and then Jason on YouTube mm-hmm. says, it was very annoying to listen to you cut Sean off several hundred times, Scott. Poor hosting and even worse manners. Now I can't tell my brother about this. So that last part makes me think, do you know Jason? Is this an inside joke? Is he trolling you personally? I don't. The only thing I could think of is he might be a regular listener. Remember when we were putting that clip at the front of shows where Mm -hmm. I was like, tell "Tell your brother. brother." Yeah, that's probably it. And I, that comment did throw me for a loop. I I did listen back because I don't wish to be talking over anybody. Because you're so comfortable with him socially, I think. 
I think that's what it is too, is like, so we, I, I mean, we were both, there's a lack it. of respect. <laughs> <laughs> that's truly all it was. <laughs> this is the lack of respect for my buddy, Sean LeCombre. If it was a go, uh, uh, a guest from the minor league system or something like that, I would have been far less rude. I'm sure. Uh, the again, honestly, it's just like, it's yeah. hard on zoom too. like people that don't do zoom conferences or don't do them and record them and then play them for a thousand people. You don't know. Like it's the timing and just that little bit of lag in the internet and, and not being there in person is difficult. Um, I mean, the hilariousness Sean is of so this... funny too. That's the thing, Adam, like Sean's so funny that when he starts rolling these jokes into the episode, yeah. right. And he's like making these comparables. It's so hard as a fellow comic and a buddy of his to not literally jump in and jump try in. and like yeah. start adding stuff up. Anyways, yeah. all this to say, if we annoyed the shit out of you on Friday, my sincere apologies. I do work really hard at trying to be a good host. And if you can't tell your brother about that one, well, that's on me and my apologies. <laughs> <laughs> the, the hilariousness of this is the contrast from, all the comments we get on our interviews when people rag on me for not saying anything. Yes. Like why doesn't Adam say it? it's because it's, we're trying to avoid this. Like yes. we, ha we, we tried in the early, early episodes, the first season to do more mm -hmm. of a balanced approach where we're taking turns. It just doesn't flow. Right. So, but the, the best part was when we were doing the clips and we'd be clipping like a seven minute piece where I'm just sitting there like smiling, trying to like not yawn. Yeah. Literally. I literally make zero sounds for the whole zero episode. sounds for the whole, for the whole clip. clip. People so. are like, you're like, why is this and, guy and even here? <laughs> it's finding what works. And it took Adam and I a long time to get to the point where we're at right now. And it just works so much better when, Adam takes control of the listener questions and the extra questions. And then I lead the interview. Adam's getting good at just jumping in when there's that moment to jump in. But mm -hmm. again, it's, it's zoom. It's the lag on the internet. You never know when some like I see unstable internet come up on my guest stuff mm -hmm. all the time where I'm like, great. So now I'm for sure one second behind them. Yeah. Like for sure I am. <laughs> Anyways, I can give you guys excuses as to why we <clears throat> suck all day long. <laughs> Uh, you're giving excuses all day long or we're sucking all day long? Giving excuses as to why we uh, suck. Okay. And I'll give those excuses all day long. Okay, there we go. <laughs> uh, Brett Fleming on Twitter says, Hey guys, love the program as I am a Patreon member. One question I have is what happened to the Bellinger chatter with the Jays? Wouldn't he be the only big bat that's a free agent that could somewhat fit the lineup? What happened to it's the Bellinger great... chat with every team is what I want to know. I was I was the, just going to say this, Adam. If you go to MLB.com, the most recent Bellinger headline is how he's like a really good fit with this club. And I think they're referring to the Cubs again. But it's mm -hmm. from like late December. Yeah. It's these Scott Boris clients. Their value has been set at an astronomical level. And right now there is a game of chicken happening between some organizations who could really use an incredibly valid, uh, sorry, not valid, an incredibly 
um, good defensive outfielder, one of the better center fielders when it comes to playing the position in baseball, and one of the biggest, best lefty bats on the market. There's a reason why Boris is trying to get this guy $250 million, but there's also lots of reasons as to why these organizations are dragging their feet and hoping the price comes down. And I think that goes pretty across the board for all of these Boris clients is that they are very good baseball players with very visible warts, right? Cody Bellinger, horrible 2022 and 2021. And if those are the numbers you're getting, it's very, very scary to invest $30 million into a guy over long term. And that's the thing. Bellinger wants term, right? He wants to be locked up. He's 28 years old. He wants an eight-year to 10-year deal. And I don't know if that's out there. I think if Cody Bellinger was available for four to five years, he'd already have been signed. Matt Chapman, same boat. And I think Matt Chapman, even more so than Bellinger, is in a position where he may literally need to consider taking a one-year deal to prove it and roll himself back out. I I mean, maybe not. Maybe he's prepared to take $100 million, four to five years. But again, I think if that was available, he'd already have signed. Like if that was something Boris was willing to do and, and Chapman was willing to do was take a four-year deal, five-year deal, I think it would have happened. Jordan yeah. Montgomery, same thing, right? Like he's a guy, you look at his numbers, 150 innings is pretty regular out of him. And he's looked really good over the last couple of years, but is he a premier pitcher? I, I don't know how to answer that. I know Scott Boris says he is and that he's should be getting around that $180 million mark five, six years. That's a lot of money for Jordan Montgomery, right? And then you can say the same thing with Blake Snell. Blake Snell, looking at Yamamoto's deal, he goes out and gets $300 million plus million, never has pitched in Major League Baseball. I'm well aware the comparables are not close here. Snell is 31, Yamamoto 25. I'm aware of the upside of Yamamoto, so I'm not saying that that's a bad deal, but I am saying Blake Snell just won a Cy Young Award, and Scott mm-hmm. Boris is definitely going to try and leverage those two contracts and get Snell much closer to that $300 million range than where a lot of people... Like, again, if, if Blake Snell was available for $180 million, he would have already been signed. Is it... Is it possible to invest big money, like a nine-figure contract, in a defensive stalwart who is a black hole offensively, like Matt Chapman potentially is? Again, I know that Matt Chapman like has the upside of being a thirty-home run guy, and we saw glimpses of it in April and into May or whatever, and like early in his career in Oakland, the numbers are there. But there's definitely like very justified reluctance to be like, Oh, are we going to give this guy 150 million to have him hit two eleven and 17 home runs? No matter how good you are at defense, you know, like what's the Mendoza line when it comes to a contract, you know, like mm-hmm. Matt Chapman career numbers <clears throat> in 30, 30- 138 at bats. He has a, a batting average of 240, 155 home runs. Very, very similar to what you see last year, right? 4.4 war. 
122 hits, 17 home runs. So Matt Chapman. Because okay, if we're going to if we're going to go with our idea of like he's probably going to be closer to his career average, like last year is pretty close to what his career average is. So the Mendoza line, correct me if I'm wrong, but for anybody who's like newish to baseball fandom, not familiar with the term, maybe they've heard it before, never grasped it. The idea of it, based on, I don't know, Bobby Mendoza, Michael Mendoza. He's had a first name. I don't know what it was. Let's call him Joey. Joey Mendoza. Gary Mendoza. Gary (laughs) Gossman Mendoza. Middle name Gossman. Very interesting choice for middle names. Um, the idea was really good defensively, but there is a certain point, again, this was back in the olden times where batting average was the be all end all. I think it, I think he has like a career batting average of 220, but some people say the Mendoza line is 220. Some people say it's 200 for me. I always grew up. It was 200, Mm -hmm. but it's the point at which no matter how good you are defensively, if your batting average is below that point, it doesn't matter. Like there's, you can't, we can't have you on the team. Like you have to get cut. You have to hit at least above the Mendoza line, or it doesn't matter if you're the best defensive player in the history of the game. There's no spot for you, right? And I just wonder, like, mm-hmm. there should be. We need to figure out what that is for big money contracts, where like no matter, no matter yeah. how good you are defensively. If you don't if you hit at OPS least this under, well, yeah. we we can't give you 150 million. I mean, I don't know. I was looking up. Dansby Swanson was the only other one I could think of. He got 177 million over seven years uh, from the Cubs. So he's career numbers uh, 95 OPS plus, the 253 batting average, and. 124 home runs in 3,600 at-bats. He does have two gold gloves. He got paid during the everybody needs a shortstop era, right? When it was the uh, Carlos Correa and the Seager and the there was like seven good shortstops and you didn't want to miss out and whatever, right? But as soon as you look up Dansby Swanson contract, literally the first article, Forbes.com, Chicago Cubs wildly overpay free agent shortstop Dansby Swanson. So I, I don't know like what Matt Chapman can get no matter how platinum his glove is hitting 240 with a cap of like 20-ish home runs. Which is why Cody Bellinger is not yet. getting talked about. It's why Matt Chapman's not getting talked about. I think oh. that uh, organizations that are interested in these guys are at loggerheads with Forrest Corp. And I think they've, they've hit a wall and we'll get more into this with some of these other like, questions, but like you could sign a slugger who then gets bad knees and has to become your DH for the final five years of his contract. Right. But yeah. like, you can't have a guy who like Years five through 10 of a Matt Chapman mega deal make me sad for whatever team oh. has that on their team. Oh, like it's why it's not available, Adam. It's why yeah. that offer is not out there. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Um, so I don't know if we answered that question or if we went off a total tangent. Yeah. Cody Bellinger chatter with the Jays. 
He'll sign. It won't be this weekend because the Super Bowl is going on. I don't think there's going to be any signings until after the Super Bowl at this point, especially from a Boris client because he wants all the publicity. Um, but then, like, right after that, pitchers are reporting to spring training, like, in a week and a half. So, I mean, Hagen Danner is in Florida right now. Damiano Pomigiani is heading down there this week. Like, the guys are going there now. So, Do we have a date set up for Hagen yet? I don't. I told him that I'd message him today and, and figure okay. out something either later in the week or early next week. Uh, they're just kind of getting their schedule now. So That's we'll allowed. He's allowed out. to pursue yeah. his dreams. That's fine. That's um, SOB. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Discord was a buzz with the Ben Nicholson-Smith report. The Blue Jays are probably, quote, done with significant ads this offseason. A lot of people pretty bummed out by that. Mm-hmm. Um, this other DM from Patreon ties in. So I'm just going to ask, I'm just going to read this at the same time, but from Mark on Patreon says reporting came up today. The blue Jays are likely done making significant moves for the off season. Do you think this is true or is this just a negotiating tactic? Man, do I love the optimism of that? Uh, Mm -hmm. we can't platoon two infield positions. If you're trying to win a division. This team still has two big holes, another outfield bat, and at least one infield spot. If I was Atkins, I'd be spending every dime possible to swing big on this season because if they miss the playoffs in this crazy strong division, it has to be it for him. So, we'll start with the first part there. When we hear Ben Nicholson-Smith say, likely done making significant moves. Do you buy it? Or is it... Leverage I, I against mean, Boris. Like, nah, we don't well, need Matt is... Chapman. We don't need Bellinger. We're good. We're set. We have the cover athlete of a video game on our team. What could go wrong? <laughs> so I've been thinking a lot about this. <laughs> okay. And I do think there is a very valid point in the idea that this is a leverage tactic. Listen. Right. If it works one way, it's got to work the other way. And when I say that, I mean the Blue Jays constantly buy our fans, and I'm the same way. It's pretty obvious. The Jays get used as leverage to drive up prices on a regular basis. I mean, obviously, there will never be a more hurtful and upsetting example than Shohei Otani, obviously. Mm -hmm. But to act like it can't work the other way, and organizations use... They're like, let's break it down again. Okay. So the, the Toronto Blue Jays are owned by Rogers. Their media that covers the Toronto Blue Jays also owned by Rogers. And it just makes all the sense in the world to leak certain information that is going to put the, the free agent they're pursuing or the trade partner that they're working with in a compromising position where all of a sudden the Blue Jays being in on things dry up. And if there's not another organization out there that is heavily pursuing these guys, it does 100% help lower the price, lower the term, mm-hmm. however you wish to, to spin it, and give the advantage to the Blue Jays. So this is absolutely a game they could be playing. I think every organization uses the tools at their, um, at their availability to do that.
it's tough to be optimistic about this off season. So it's really easy for me to just be like, yeah, Ben Nicholson Smith is probably freaking right. They're probably just rolling this back and hoping that the numbers work out. And that's the thing, man. Like I look at this team. I know there's a lot of fans out there who have been saying that they're going to lose. Like they're going to win under 81 games. And I, I can't wrap my head around that idea. Like, if anything, this team is an 86-win team that just barely misses the playoffs and breaks all of our heart to the absolute maximum. Like, you know, yeah. I, I I can't see this team being so bad. It actually lays out the path and the 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 pathway forward for the next few years, right? Because if they're god awful, this team is selling off at the deadline. But I can't see it happening. Like, it would make all the sense in the world if this team is going to lose under 80 games, if they're going to be a below 500 team, yeah, Kikuchi's gone at the trade deadline. You're going to see who knows what happens with Bo and Vlad. I mean, they would be at maximum value at that point with another year before free agency. Like, if if this organization is even considering a rebuild, if this team sucks this year, I it's going to be a very painful process for us hardcores i just don't see it i think their pitching's too good to lose that many games i think they're far closer to a bubble wildcard team than they are to being the worst but well here, here's the path to being a 500 team that sells at the deadline uh vladdy continues to be unspectacularly good and mm-hmm. i mean that as both a compliment and a slight mm-hmm. uh, Alec Manoa does not come back to ace slash Cy Young candidate form if he's still just pitching at like a four to four and a half ERA that's a bounce back still mm-hmm. but that's still not good um, Chris Bassett had as good of a season as you could ask for um, mm-hmm. Jose Barrios, again, is the best season of his career last year. So there's room for him to regress. Yusei Kikuchi, if he has an ERA over five, are you going to be shocked by that? Disappointed, for sure. Would you be shocked by it? Not necessarily. Then we've got old, good old Gary Gossman left. He's a case of bad tacos away from, oh, shit, we've got seven starts out of him this year. That's your recipe for 81 yeah. wins, and you're lucky. Yeah. So... I mean, that feels again like worst case scenario, but oh, for sure, you're. But it's but not you unlikely, right just based on how like we got a healthy, other than Alec Manoa, we got a healthy starting rotation last year, who all had like the best seasons of their career across the board, except maybe Gary Gossman, who it might have been his second or third best because they're just, but he was still whatever thirty two yeah. games and as good as it gets, so. Room for regression there for sure. Uh, and with Vlad, man, I hope There's he bounces back marks. and is thriving this year, but that's tough to hang your hat on until you like, I've just, I haven't seen it. I mean, whatever it's February. So how do you see anything from anybody? But like, I feel like, man, he's got to get off to a hot start. There's a lot of pressure on him to come out hot. Like Matt Chapman in April. Yeah. There's a lot of question marks, without a doubt. How does how does Isaac Kainer Palafa fill in? You know, 
I should just. It's the last IKF. time you say it. It's the last Buck time I, you say Buck it. Buck and I, we gotta say IKF. <laughs> uh, me too, man. Me too. Davis Schneider, another big question mark, right? Mm-hmm. He could really, really bolster the offense of this team if he. And I'm not saying he's going to look like he did in that 30 game historic run, but if he's a guy who puts up 25 home runs and plays 120 to 140 games, like that would be incredibly helpful to this Toronto Blue Jays team. And he has it in him to be that guy, but does it pan out? I don't know. Do we see a Ricky Tiedemann make his appearance and maybe give us an Alec Manoa? Yeah. Debut? Well, while we're, while we're talking, uh, Schneider, David Schneider, son <laughs> of John Schneider, only on the team. Cause his dad's a coach. We all know a kid like that. Um, I was reading a Keegan Matheson article about this carousel of infielders that we have, all these backup infielders and what their ticket to playing time is. And we talked to David Schneider. Uh, You know, he says David Schneider could hit 25 to 30 home runs if he plays a full season this year. And I thought Mm -hmm. could sure, but like how is he playing 162 games? Right. Keegan says his ticket to playing time is to be passable defensively in the outfield and be our fourth outfielder. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, remember Raymel Tapia? Yeah. Our famous fourth outfielder uh, from a couple seasons ago. I know that he like played way more than I would have liked. Do you know how many games he played as our fourth outfielder in 2022? 100, 130. 128. Oh, dang it. But yeah, I mean, like, if David Schneider <laughs> got 128 games as an outfielder and then another, like, 30 at second base, mm-hmm. that's not crazy. And then I was thinking more about, well, who else was in the outfield in 2022? Like, that was our... Uh, Teoscar Lourdes. Teoscar Lourdes and Springer. So Springer was in center. So now you got, like... However many games Raymel Tapia got, 128, with that being the outfield. And now you go, okay, well, we still got Springer, but he's older. Okay, but he's not center, he's right field. So maybe that's a push, right? Cancels itself out. But then you go, you got Kevin Kiermeyer and Dalton Varsho versus Lourdes and Teoscar. If I had to guess, I'd say between Kevin Kiermeyer and probably mostly on his back, between him and Varsho. They're probably missing more games than Teoscar and and Lourdes, Lourdes did in did. 22. I mean, like. There will be playing time available. So, and if Davis Schneider can be passable as a left fielder and, and give the odd rep and right, I think he's going to play quite a bit because they're yeah. going to need a guy. Especially who if has, the back can stay hot. Like if he can keep hitting the way he did last year and he's like not a defensive liability out there. Yeah. incredibly incredibly small incredibly small sample size but six of his eight home runs did come against left-handed pitching whereas you look at Dalton Bar show his splits all of his home runs came against righties so Mm. you look at that and you're just like shit they could platoon them pretty regularly back and forth Kiermaier also a lefty bat Varsho and Kiermaier lefties Schneider a righty so you so I think anybody that's saying David Schneider could hit 25 to 30 this year. I don't think that's crazy. I thought it was, I thought it would be crazy to think about. It's hopeful, 
but it's not crazy. Not There's crazy. a pathway. Yes, yeah. exactly. All right. Um, Mish says, I feel like the mostly done adding narrative is a smoke slash smoke screen slash shot across the bow towards the FAs and their agents to shit or get off the pot if they actually want to play this season and not start behind the eight ball by missing out on spring training. I just think a guy like Bellinger or Matt Chapman are willing to miss a month of the season. What do you think? Like if this is, if if they have the mentality of like, this is my one shot at a mega deal. I don't know how much of a pay cut do they take by signing in April 15th instead of February 15th. So this is the thoughts of friend of the show, TSN analyst and Blue Jays insider, Scotty Mitchell. But what he said when I had him on and was talking with him last week was he would have never in a million years predicted Bryce Harper signs in April. And when you're talking the money and term of these mega players, and I know that uh, Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman are not in the league of Bryce Harper. However, they are dealing in that 100 to $250 million range, right? Like we are talking some major cheddar here. Yeah. In the long run, missing the first month of the season, despite the fact it's probably going to really set you back for 2024, if you're signing an eight to 10 year deal, I mean, in the in the big picture of things, probably worth it, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're probably right, man. We could we could see we could see this drag out into spring. We could see this. Who knows? I don't think it would go into the regular season. That would shock me, but it has happened with big players before. Who was the? I was trying to look him up. I couldn't figure it out. You might just know his name off the top of your head. Wasn't Brandon Nemo? It was the Mets outfielder the year before that, like, ended up sitting out for the whole season before he signed. Conforto I think he was coming off injury. Michael Conforto. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit different circumstances yeah. with him and the injury, um, but he got to a point. My understanding was he was healthy, but wasn't getting the deals that. He, he felt he deserved. He felt yeah. he deserved. You know, there was question marks about how healthy is he. I feel like he went to a couple like auditions. Not auditions, not the right word, but like tryouts. Yeah. And uh, you know, teams wanted to see him on the field before they would offer him the the big dollars and it becomes a stalemate. But yeah, I don't know if he ended up signing by the end of the season or not, but I feel like that was a storyline that we went into spring training. And when I say we, I mean like all of the baseball world of like, oh, why hasn't he signed yet? And then I feel like that mm-hmm. continued into the summer. Um, it's so different too with pitchers compared to position players because it really is such a disadvantage for position players to not get their full spring training and have that routine in, you know, whereas pitchers, you can throw, you can you can throw live batting practice. You can really simulate games far easier as a pitcher and kind of stay um, stay ready. Whereas mm-hmm. we watched it with Alejandro Kirk having his baby last year, coming in halfway through spring training. It it affected his April and May. Like look at look at the difference between his numbers April and May uh, compared to August September. It's night and day. So mm-hmm. it is such a disadvantage to these position players to drag their feet like this. 
And so we might see Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman shit or get off the pot sooner than we see Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery, who could very well drag this out to the end of spring training. As long as they're in shape and they're in form and their throwing regiment is where it should be. I mean, these are guys that are at the top of Major League Baseball when it comes to pitching rankings. You know, they're both top 20 starters. Blake Snell, probably a top five guy. So, you know, they're going to be ready. But you can't stimulate game play at third base, right? Like you can you can hit you can you can fungal all day long and it just anyways. There should be movement soon, but who frickin' knows? <laughs> um, it was the twenty twenty two season, by the way. Uh Michael Conforto did not end up playing at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, back to the mailbag. Uh, we got Nick Raymond says, why don't Sportsnet writers like Ben Nichols Smith and Shy get to break when the Blue Jays sign someone? You'd think that would be one of the perks of working for the company that also owns the team. Great question. We have Arden Zwelling on the show in April. He's lined up for then. Uh, I, I will set this question aside to ask him directly. It's a great question. I have no idea. I've wondered this multiple times throughout doing this podcast. How is it that it's always passing and Rosenthal breaking these Blue Jays signings? You know, like it, it, you look at other teams, there are definitely local reporters that are breaking deals with other teams and you just never see it out of Toronto. In fact, to the point where you even have seen Toronto media break things, Hazel May, Michael Brantley, and then it'd be completely wrong. So I'm not sure why Rogers operates that way. You think that there would be a benefit to feeding your reporters, but this is not a question for Adam and I, this is a question we'll need to put aside and, and <laughs> can, I, can I speculate on some uh... speculate? I'd love to hear your conspiracy. All right, here's some charcanery, but I would say maybe you just don't want your talent getting too popular. You're like, hey, we got a real guy here, Jai Davidi, but he's only famous in Canada. Nobody gives a fuck about him in New York. Yeah. But he starts breaking deals. All of a sudden he gets, uh, I don't know what his Twitter following's like. I bet you it's like a million, but... You know, you 10x that because he's breaking deals and all of a sudden he has a lot more leverage at, you know, the negotiation tables for his next contract when they're like, okay, well then don't sign it. Like you're only like, go start again at the bottom in Boston if you want versus him having the leverage of being like, okay, well give me more money or fucking Boston will take me because I have I'm like a young Jeff Passan over here right like I don't know maybe that's for me that's the only reason I could think of why they would be like we're not protecting their talent house yeah Yeah. that's interesting that's actually not a a bad theory I think you look at Ben Nicholson Smith and he's about as yeah all of them you know they're about as entrenched in the baseball world as you can be but it's all in Canada you look at you bring up the followers, right? Ben Nicholson Smith sits at 65,000 followers. It's all Jays fans, right? Yeah. If he were to actually cross over into the American market, 
he'd be one of the top, like it would 10 times that many followers, right? Mm -hmm. Just on based on population and interest on baseball alone. So maybe you're right. Maybe it is about keeping the talent in house and not worrying about them being poached by ESPN or whoever would be interested. But we are going to ask him. I will. I I actually want to know what Arden mm-hmm. and Ben would say. What it comes down to is service time manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> In year seven, that's when they start getting the. Anyways, okay. Uh, yeah, great question though. Uh, next one comes from Scott Carter. Hashtag mailbag. Bobby Witt Jr. just signed for eleven years. It looks like going forward. Very few star players are going to be re- reaching free agency at a reasonable age. Do you feel this puts added pressure on the team to get Bo or Vlad an extension? Do you think it puts added? Adam, do you think Ross Atkins feels pressure? He sure acts like he doesn't. Um, Like, logically, you would think this would add pressure. Like, you would think that the Kansas City Royals, who don't even come close to the budget the Toronto Blue Jays have with Rodgers as their ownership group, Mm -hmm. dish out almost $300 million for their star young shortstop, 11 years, with team options, right? To move that there's, up to 14? Yeah, there's a player opt-out after seven years for the, the final four years of that 11, and then there is a one-time actionable three-year option for $89 million, which will bring the total value to $377 million over 14 years. Take him to age like 36 or something. Like what? And Kansas City was so smart about it. To look at the breakdown of that deal, and it's very much backloaded, which definitely encourages Bobby Witt Jr. to double down mm-hmm. and lock in after that seven years, because the majority of his money is coming at that time. Mm-hmm. And it also allows them to. I don't was was there a no trade? I didn't catch that. Yeah, I didn't catch that either. But you know, these small market teams. Who knows? He could even be on the block in year <laughs> in year six. I was gonna say I doubt you can. He has he can't have a no trade clause. I I don't think a small market team can give out that kind of money without yeah. having a break glass in case of emergency. Um. Yeah, I don't see. like yeah yeah anyways drop it in the comments folks if there is this no trade clause that we missed somewhere but nonetheless great great signing for a small market team you love to see an organization bet on their self-developed players does it Add pressure to the Blue Jays to sign Bo Bichette. Let's 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 put Vladdy aside for now because I think Vladdy's in a in a period of his career where he still has to prove it. Mm-hmm. Bo Bichette, more or less, if you look at his career tra- trajectory, 
has improved almost every single year, has gone from defensive liability to an average shortstop, has gone from a guy who just wasn't putting up that batting average to a guy who was over 300 last year, right? He was hitting 270 earlier in his career, and he's he's brought that up. He still swings wildly, but you know what? If you're going to hit over 300, swing as wildly as you'd like. I would like to see Bobochet, who is a premier shortstop, locked up long-term. He's 26 years old this season. I think an 11-year deal that keeps him in Toronto for the rest of his career would be nothing but good news for this Blue Jays organization. They can really, from a marketing standpoint, build around that. From a success standpoint, you'd like to build around a elite shortstop, and many teams have gone that route. And I mean, you look at some of the deals that, that shortstops that maybe aren't in Bo's range have gotten like Xander Bogarts has put up big numbers in certain years, but since joining the Padres has not really been the guy that they invested $300 million in. So there is always risk, but so to answer this question, I don't know if Ross Atkins is feeling extra pressure. I don't know if this is done. I, I, I wish I could get a read on Ross Atkins and when he's sweating and when he's not, it seems impossible, which is frustrating as a Jays fan because you're like, does he even care? What is going on? But yeah, good for the Royals. Uh, according to ESPN.com, it does include a no trade clause. So. Does include, okay. Now, no details on how extensive that is, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you have a no trade clause, that just means you can't trade me to Canada. Yeah. Trade me if you need me to, but I'm not going to Toronto. Or here's here's the ten teams I'm not going to, and yeah. otherwise you can't right. So when you here's see my no trade six, clause, doesn't mean they can't trade of, them. Here's my list of six teams. I mean, it is ten teams, but everybody already knows that Toronto, Baltimore is yeah. already on the top of that. You know, Baltimore the four teams that are on that list, though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. Yeah. If as far as hot seat for Ross Atkins goes, if Oh, man. I think as soon as the Blue Jays are eliminated or miss the playoffs or win the World Series, like as soon as the champagne pops for someone, by the end of September, you know who Vlad and Bo are, right? Vlad's either bounced back and has shown, hey, Video game cover Vlad is the real Vlad or yeah, it was a bust, right? I think Bo, we already know who he is, but either way, by September 31st, Ross has to know, even if he hasn't had contract talks with these two, he has to have him and Mark have to know from Rogers what their absolute max offer deal is for both those guys. And Mm -hmm. I just don't think they can fuck around with trying to go back and forth. I think they just have to genuinely be like, here's our best deal. Mm-hmm. You have four days to think about it or like whatever. Right. Yeah. And if you don't, we're giving all of your money for both of you to Juan Soto. Like we're, we're trading you and we're, we're moving on, you know, like it, just if, if they really want to push their hands and are like, no, we're testing free agency. I go, I'm not even playing that game. You guys are traded. Like, yeah, fucking pack your shit. Good luck in your next town. We're getting prospects and a couple 
major league ready guys back maybe in return. And we're, we're given, going to make the biggest splash s- in Canadian history on a free agent yeah. signing. We're building around Juan Soto and we're moving on. Yeah. We're calling yeah, the Dodgers. Man. We're getting a photocopy of Shohei's contract. We're whiting out Shohei. We're putting Juan on the thing and then we're signing it and that's it. We're just going to overpay and who cares, but I don't know. It would be so sad to see, but like we just can't fucking lose both those guys to free agency and be like, oh, they're well, too we, valuable. You we got yeah. compensatory picks back, so at least no, there's that. Who gives a shit? Like, if I need to hear, no, if I need to hear about picks, if we lose no, both I'm those out. guys and we don't get, like that's that's my only silver lining. It's like, like this off season, Juan Soto's available. Yeah, that's my only like floating raft as i'm out in the middle of the ocean lost if we lose both those guys and we don't and it's just like well we got dalton varsho and alejandro kirk and danny jansen hit 30 home runs this year oh, oh, alec manoa is back to cy young form and ricky turned out I'm, I'm gonna be like i'm gonna slip my wrist in a bathtub and be like this is fucking dog shit if we have and with juan soto the dodgers are not in on that bidding war this is true. It's just us, the Yankees, and fucking probably Baltimore. Yeah, and probably Baltimore. Oh, why would you say that? <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Oh, man. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Two more to get to and we're out of here. <clears throat> uh, Wyatt says, hey, fellas, please help out the Jays front office. and Explain to fans how the Jays are going to beat the Orioles every series this year especially since we couldn't beat them last year before they acquired Corbin Burns. Okay. So this is definitely some mental gymnastics that Wyatt is asking us to do here because he made a lot of very good points that it really does feel like the Baltimore Orioles are just a better team this year than the team that the Jays couldn't beat last year. What was the final record there in the 13 games? Like, Two and eleven or something, something like, like that. that. It was yeah. god awful. It was it was brutal. It was disgusting. One thing I will bring up: the Toronto Blue Jays runners in scoring position. They sucked. One of the worst teams for runners in scoring position in all of baseball. And on the flip side, the Orioles literally were the best team in baseball for mm-hmm. runners in scoring position. This is the stat that is incredibly um, up and down each year. Some people say that it's luck. It kind of is. I mean, there is some clutchness to it, but even clutch, it. I mean, you need to really. So can these even out? Yeah, I do think they can. Baltimore's pitching outside of Corbin Burns still has some definite question marks. Can Grayson Rodriguez take another step forward? Are they going to see some regression from their bullpen, especially with Batista out for most of the season? I think that's possible. So is Baltimore going to win 100 games this year? I don't think they are. I still think that they're a playoff team. They're a very good team. They're probably a better team than they were last year. They're going to win fewer games, but they also did nothing in the playoffs. So maybe this is the year that, you know, they only win 92 games, but they go to the ALCS. The Orioles are scary as fuck, especially with a legitimate ace. Like having Corbin Burns, that was such a huge ad. And the fact that they gave up not even a top three prospect to do it. Incredible. And you floating that one Soto idea scares the shit out of me, man. Like they would still be so far under the luxury tax. If they did that, Mm -hmm. like they could literally their team is what 
they're they're spending 80 million dollars this year it's something ridiculous it's under 100 mil like yeah. they could add 40 million dollars a season yeah. on a Juan just, Soto and still be like you just yeah you just front end the Juan Soto contract and you pay him while you're paying Adley Rushman free dollars and just a reminder too to everyone that the Orioles just sold so they've got a new ownership group that is come out and said we're spending money uh scary <laughs> um okay so here's my strategy for beating the Orioles this year we go to the estate of Bon Jovi I don't know if he's alive or not but we go to Bon Jovi John Bon John Bon Jovi and we pay whatever licensing fee he demands for the song living on a prayer mm-hmm. and that is our walk-up song for all nine hitters every game all season long and we're just a hope and a prayer is our strategy for being a good team this year that is yeah. Living on that a prairie in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Living on a prairie in Saskatchewan. Well <laughs> done, Scott. Well done. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> no, no apologies necessary. <laughs> Even one bit. Uh, last question here. Uh, we'll be done with this. This is from Deb on Patreon. Fun one. Question for the mailbag. What walk-up songs would you pick for yourselves? And what are some of the best you've heard? I'd like to make myself a playlist. That is that is a fun question. Adam, do you have a song in mind that you would walk up to? Yeah. Um, it used to be, or what it would have been, was The Man by The Killers. Um, give that song a listen. That's a good one. Uh, I think now I'm going with I'm Just Ken from the Barbie movie. Yes. So that's me. That's That's for me. Uh, what do you got, Scott? Um, I've always been uh, a big fan of the Black Keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it now? It's off their brother's album. Anyways. I'm looking, I'm looking. Stall, Scott. Stall. Think, yeah. It's all the baseball references. The Blue Jays used it for Jose Batista back in 2014. Uh, uh, this is just good listening is what this, this is. is what's really funny is adam even um it's with you or without you or howling for you howling for you yes holy crap i can't believe that so it's I honestly one of my favorite tunes too and i just like but uh i blame the weed and uh we'll just move on from there my favorite walk-up song though that made me laugh so hard was when Call daniel vogelbach oh so Daniel yeah. Vogelbach goes up to bat to uh, Milkshake. Milkshake, right? that milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. He's such a big boy, too. It just like was such a funny thing to see. <laughs> that was a good one. I like, was it Springer that was coming up to Call Me Al? Yes. That was a good one. That one made me laugh. Um, I think a good one for George Springer this year would be Miley Cyrus used to be young. Because he's old now. He's past his. I get it. I get it. Yes. All right. Let's get get out of here. Let's get out of here, Scott. That's mailbag. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. I always love the walk-up of uh, when it was, what, Ezekiel Carrera 
Jose Batista, Edwin Encarnacion. It was just like one long Dominican dance party. It was great. <laughs> I don't know any of the artists or anything, but it was always like, all right, the maracas are going. <laughs> okay, that's Mailbag. Thank you so much, everybody, for your interaction over the week. We really do appreciate it. Who knows? Imagine if in a couple of weeks we actually have another edition. If nothing else, spring training starts. So there's actually some baseball right around the corner. We just got to hang in there. Super Bowl this Sunday, and then it's baseball season, baby. Take care, Mm -hmm. everybody. Thanks again to the Patreon members. Cheers. Cheers.